Welcome to Proven Improbable, where we deliver mining insights and bullion sales in the form of physical delivery, offshore depositories, and private blockchain distributed ledger technology. Welcome to Proven Improbable. I'm your host, Maurice Jackson. Joining us for a conversation is Tim Johnson, the president and CEO of Granite Creek Copper. Mr. Johnson, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Glad to have you on the program to share the value proposition before us in Granite Creek Copper. Before we delve into project specifics, Mr. Johnson, please introduce us to Granite Creek Copper and what is the opportunity you present to the market? Well, Granite Creek Copper is a member of the metallic group of companies. That's a group that uh, identifies what we see as undervalued opportunities. In in Granite Creek Copper's case, we've uh, acquired a large brownfields land position in the uh, Minto Copper Belt in Yukon, Canada. Uh, It's the type of thing that uh, you you can acquire at the low part of the market, which we think we are for for copper, and we only see upside from here. So we've assembled a team of uh, professionals uh, can advance the project, and we've acquired a significant land position. Granite Creek Copper's portfolio is located in the Minto Copper Belt, which you just referenced here. Take us there and provide us with some historical context on the region. Well, it's an interesting region. Um, At one time, it was held by a single junior mining company, United uh, Keno Hill Mines. Um, They did quite a bit of exploration in the belt. Um, They discovered or were part of the discovery of of the two major deposits in the belt, which one of them is now in operation, the Minto Mine. It was recently purchased by Pembridge. And the other one is the Carmax Copper Project that is held by uh, North. We sit right between it. And our ground, even though was held by these, th- this group, uh, hasn't seen any significant exploration uh, since the early 80s. So once we were able to acquire, we also acquired a large database, and that helped us to uh, acquire really a unique property that, that wouldn't normally have been available. To really appreciate the opportunity before us in the Stu Copper Project, which is your flagic project, share with us some of the resources and reserves from the Minto Mines and the Carmack Deposit. Yeah, so the most important number in our context anyways to look at at Minto is uh, I think they're around uh, 3, 3.9, somewhere like that, proven and probable. Uh, and the significance of that is that gives them roughly a four-year mine life uh, with their, their current uh, reserves. They do have some resources that they could probably convert. Uh, we see them potentially running out of ore uh, fairly shortly. And then to the south of us, right along, right adjacent to us, is the CarMax project, and again, they have a, a, a small deposit. Uh, they've got about a seven-year mine life, as contemplated by a 2013 PEA. Uh, we don't see, see that as being big enough. So we are strategically um, positioned very well in order to b- provide potentially mill feed for two um, mines, one to the north of us and one to the south. Um, the, the one to the north of us is within about 25 kilometers, and the one to the south of us is right adjacent to our claim boundary. So any success that we have, we have a readily potential partner to, to, to look at things. Um, so we, we, we like that, that scenario. The Yukon is attracting a lot of investment. Who is investing there and why? Well, the majors have, have in, in the past few years, have, have took another look at the Yukon. Uh, Corp Newmont is, is in there in, in some of the gold spaces. Uh, mining is in there, and I, I think what you're going to see over the, over the coming years is more interest in, in, in the Yukon. I mean, one of the reasons for that, it's a great jurisdiction to work in. 
um, the very forward thinking. Um, they, they're inviting investment. The Yukon government is one of the um, promoters of the, uh, the mining industry itself. And they, they spend a lot of time and resources to trying to attract um, investment in, into, the, into the, the region. There are some strategic advantages that Granite Creek Copper has over its peers that are exploring for copper with regards to brownfields exploration. Uh, they're very important to note for our audience here. Please share them with us. So we feel, and, and this is sort of philosophy of the metallic group itself, is that we've acquired a land position that if a major was where we are in, in the copper space, they would have acquired it. So if a major held the mental mine, for instance, uh, we have the, the ground that, that they would be uh, looking to expand their resource. Uh, not the case. In fact, the, um, there's three different juniors, one that's got an operating mine and one in near-term production and ourselves within a space that you would really see uh, a major consolidate at, at some point. And we think that's one of our major advantages is that as we uh, develop resources and our, our neighbors to the north and south develop resources, we think at some point there's going to be a, 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 a critical pounds in the ground, a number that's going to attract the big companies, the big copper companies that are going to have to take a look at the belt. Mr. Johnson, introduce us to your flagship stew copper project and share some of the project highlights with us. So after we acquired the project, uh, we also acquired a historic database that was uh, developed by the, the previous company, United Kena Hill Mines, that I mentioned before. And the, we've done some, some uh, compilation work on that database, and we've also signed um, data sharing agreements with our neighbor to the south. And by consolidating that data, we're starting to get some new interesting ideas about our project. We recently completed a soil compilation that identified four significant multi-kilometer targets. Uh, that was just that was out without putting any boots on the ground. That was just taking the old data uh, into modern GIS uh, software and reviewing what we had. We've acquired over uh, I think it's over 5,000 soil samples historic, most of them copper. So. A lot of the work that we're doing now is having a look at that, going back in, doing multi-element um, sampling, just to see if the gold and the silver and that we know is in the system um, can, can be advanced along with the copper. Um, historically, there's some significant um, high-grade drill intercepts of in the order of 2 to 2.5% two copper, um, as high as 3% copper, over 13, 14 meter intercepts. So not long, but significant grade. Granite Creek Copper has a database of historical data including drilling, trenching, geophysics, and geochemical sampling. From those results, what makes Granite Creek Copper confident that they have the next major copper discovery in the Yukon? Our, our compilation work has, has shown some significant multi-element targets. And we're currently doing geophysics work to uh, focus those targets and identify high-priority drill targets. We know based on the work of other operators in the belt that the type of geophysics induced polarity that we're using works quite well. Um, so we're using known technology and we're, we're com compiling known data and developing new targets. So we think we've got a really good chance of developing significant resources, either for our neighbors to the south or our neighbors to the north or even a standalone operation should we develop enough. What can you share with us regarding soil anomalies? Our recent compilation effort showed four 
large regional targets um, was new to us. Uh, it was in the data, but as different operators had held it in different broken up uh, land ownerships over the years, first time we've compiled this large this large land position. Uh, once we started to compile the data and realize where the data was in, in, in reference to the claim boundaries, we were able to actually develop a significant new target, uh, northern, northeast target, uh, as well as ones that are close to our southern claim boundary with Copper North. Now you somewhat addressed my next question, which was a twofold question, which is, have you identified drill targets and are you actively drilling there now? We're not actively drilling now. And when we acquired the property, there was actually some pretty good drill targets from previous operators. However, we felt that a compilation effort, a review of the data, um, and really getting wrapping our heads around what we had before we rushed to drill was the best approach. I think a lot of juniors, they rush to, to drill to try and you know show what they got. And that's, I think, can be very dangerous. Um, we're comfortable with the, with the compilation that we we're doing and the ground um, work that we're doing this year to develop drill targets to be drilled uh, as soon as we can next season. Let's discuss some important topics germane to the project. Beginning with reversionary interests, are there any on the project? There is a uh, net smelter return um, on the project. Other than the NSR, we hold 100% interest. Um, it was acquired for uh, stock when we when we did the acquisition. Uh, Granite Creek had been a shell, and we cleaned it up, put new management in place, acquired this project. So other than the NSR, we have no obligations other than um, maintaining the claims in good standing by doing sufficient work on them on an annual basis. We're going to get into some numbers later in this discussion, but from a capital expenditure standpoint, what is your largest expense and at what cost? Well, our largest expense will be drilling. Um, you know, we envision a one and a half to two million dollar drill program next season. Um, our current uh, exploration is in the two to three hundred thousand range, and we expect that to develop significant targets for us uh, for next season's drilling program. Are you fully permitted? We are fully permitted on about half the claim block, um, the southern half of the claim block. Uh, the northern half permits are uh, underway. Um, they're with the Yukon government now. Um, we don't see a lot of problems getting the permit to the stage that we need for exploration. And then as we move towards development, there's a whole other permitting process to go through. We've discussed the good. Let's address the bad. What can go wrong and what is your action plan to mitigate that wrong? I think the biggest risk for us and our shareholders this time is, is the near-term price of copper. Um, we see a little bit of weakness right now. We don't think that's long-term. We think in sort of a six to maybe 12 months um, time frame, that's going to turn around. Um, we see significant um, shortfalls in, in the copper market uh, moving forward. So we think that's the biggest risk. Um, a possible mitigation would be look to another project, but I think um, we're quite happy with the one we have. This is going to continue to be our flagship project. Um, you know, if the copper prices continue to stay soft, we will look at reducing our expenditures to preserve capital. But long term, this is where we want to be. Switching gears, let's discuss the people responsible for increasing shareholder value. Mr. Johnson, please introduce us to your board of directors. So myself as president and CEO and director of the company, uh, background is logistics and project management, uh, public company space for almost 10 years now. Uh, that I uh, ran service, a service company that had uh, 
large uh, process in northern BC. Uh, so I'm, uh, I'm good at keeping things on track and on budget. Um, uh, also, um, he is uh, President CEO of Troop 10 Metals, uh, part of the Metallic Group. Uh, he's uh, been in the public space for about the same time, I think uh, 10 to 12 years. Uh, focused on, on his, his company, but also provides um, advice. Director of ours is John Cumming. Uh, John is a securities lawyer, been practicing in Vancouver for a very long time. John doesn't like to, me to tell you how long, but uh, suffice to say uh, he's been around the block a few times. And the last director is uh, Francois Laurent, uh, was an investor and businessman and engineer in uh, Montreal and provides us access to some of our potential investors there. Uh, pretty well-rounded board. In addition to that, because we're part of the metallic group of companies, we access um, personnel such as Greg Johnson, who has a track record of taking uh, resources and expanding and developing them. Um, he is ex-Nova Gold, and uh, we have uh, access to some of his um, kids who were involved in that operation, as many others. And we also, because of the, uh, our association with the metallic group, uh, we are <clears throat> geologists and geophysicists and um, professionals that we don't have to uh, pay their full salary because they're, uh, they're spread amongst the group. So the group is a, an opportunity for us to um, cost save and to access some personnel that uh, we normally wouldn't be able to with a, a company our size. Well, good stewards of capital. Always good to hear. Who is on your management team and what skill sets do they bring to Granite Creek Copper? So our management team includes um, uh, individuals that were formerly part of Metallic Minerals, and when we formed a Metallic Group, we access them. Um, Geologist uh, James does a lot of work for us. Um, Cecil does a lot of work for us. Uh, again, these are individuals who have experience, uh, resources, um, small um, resources and expanding them. Uh, we'll have um, with Debbie and, and uh, Lauren Blackburn, who have extensive experience in the Yukon. Um, understand the Yukon geology and the ways um, of working with the with um, the Yukon government and and local First Nations as well. Let's get into some numbers. Please share the capital structure for Granite Creek Copper. So we've got thirty five point seven million issued and outstanding, fully diluted sixty eight uh, million shares. Roughly thirty seven to thirty eight percent of that is held by insiders and uh, other people close to the company. So um, we're fairly tightly held, and uh, with a significant holding of uh, that that uh, the share price matters to. How much debt do you have? We have no debt. Um, we're currently about seven hundred thousand um, cash positive. What is your burn rate? Our burn rate is about twenty thousand a month. Are there any redundant assets on the books that we should know about? No, there are not. Are there any change of control fees? And if yes, what is the compensation? The uh, change of control fees to the CEO um, is six months salary. Is management charging a consulting fee for any services? Other than the CEO, um, who I, I draw a salary, there's no other um, management charges to the company. In closing, multi-layered question, what is the next unanswered question for Granite Creek Copper? When can we expect a response and what determines success? Big question is when do we drill? Uh, it's going to depend on the, the, the current uh, ground programs going on, geophysics and, and, and soils, and of course the weather. 
Um, we have to do another uh, raise in order to fund that drill program. Uh, that That's the next question that, that we're looking at. What keeps you up at night that we don't know about? I think the, the, the markets, really. <laughs> Um, where copper's going, how long we're, we're going to see these slightly depressed prices and when we're going to see a turnaround. Um, that's, you know, the, we, we kind of rely heavily on, on where the copper price is going and the perception of the market. Mr. Johnson, last question. What did I forget to ask? Well, I don't know that you forgot to ask it, more like I forgot to mention it. What I forgot to mention is the nature of the two projects to the south and to the north of us. To the south of us, the CarMax project is an oxide copper project, where to the north of us, a mental mine is a sulfide mine. The significance of this is that one mill can't process the other's material. We know that there's some limited oxide at Minto, and we know that there's some limited sulfide at CarMax, and we have both. So we could potentially see a scenario where trucks were shipping both ways. They would be picking up sulfide material from us, delivering it to the mine to the north, picking up oxide material from them, maybe some more from us, and building it to the mine to the south. So the belt is really a significant consolidation potential with an oxide mill in the south, potentially, and a sulfide mill to the north, and us in the middle. We think that's a great scenario. And how does grade fit into the narrative? This is some of the highest grade copper in Western Canada at Minto and potentially on our ground and even the oxide resource to the south. So even though the tonnages are quite a bit smaller here than you would see, say, for a big porphyry system, the grade makes up the difference. Mr. Johnson, for someone listening that wants to get more information about Granite Creek Copper, please share the website address. It's www.gcxcopper.com. For direct inquiries, call 604 235 1982. That number again is 604-235-1982. Or you may email info at gcxcopper.com. Granite Creek Copper trades on the TSXV symbol GCX. Before you make your next bullion purchase, make sure you call me. I'm a licensed representative for Miles Franklin Precious Metals Investments, where we provide a number of options to expand your precious metals portfolio from physical delivery, offshore depositories, precious metal IRAs, and private blockchain distributed ledger technology. Call me directly at 855-505-1900. That number again is 855-505-1900. Or you may email maurice at milesfranklin.com. Finally, please subscribe to provenandprobable.com for mining insights and bullion sales. Tim Johnson of Granite Creek Copper, thank you for joining us today on Proven and Probable. Thank you. The information presented on Proven and Probable is provided for educational and informational purposes only, without any express or implied warranty of any kind, including warranties of accuracy, completeness, or fitness for any particular purpose. The information is not intended to be and does not constitute financial, investment, or trading advice, or any other advice. You should not make any financial, investment, or trading decision based on any of the information presented without first undertaking independent due diligence and consultation with a professional broker or competent financial advisor. 